0: Welcome to the Missing Chapter Podcast, where you will hear some of the least known, obscure, and entertaining stories the history textbooks left out, starring Phil Horander and Phil Schaff. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. John George Phillips was born to George and Ann Phillips of Farncombe, England, on April 11, 1887. He grew up alongside his elder twin sisters, Elsie and Ethel, in a flat just above the High Street Draper shop, which his parents managed. Jack, as he quickly became known as, was christened at St. John the Evangelist Church and started his education at the church school there as a young boy. He sang in the choir and was an altar server. He finished his schooling in 1902 at 15 at the Godamon Grammar School and went on to join the town's post office after passing his civil service exam. Here he would go on to be trained to be a telegraphist using Morris code to relay messages. Many British Navy telegraphists came from a post office background, and Jack was no exception. In March of 1906, Jack left Gotteming for Liverpool, joining the Marconi Company's wireless telegraphy training school, named after Guglielmo Marconi, an Italian inventor and electrical engineer known for his pioneering work on long-distance radio transmission, the development of Marconi's Law, and a radio telegraph system. After five months, Jack was posted to the White Star Line, one of England's largest shipping companies, as a junior radio officer on the steamship the RMS Teutonic. Royal Mail Ship, usually seen in its abbreviated form RMS, is the ship prefix used for seagoing vessels that carry mail under contract to the British Royal Mail a designation that dates back all the way to 1840. Over the next 24 months, Jack worked for the White Star Line on a variety of different ships and appointments, as well as the Cunard Lines RMS Mauritania, RMS Campania, and the RMS Lusitania. Still a Marconi employee, Jack Phillips would be assigned a vessel, sign what were called the ship's articles, or conditions for service, and become an official member of its crew for the voyage. As part of this crew, this would entitle him to a small wage from the ship line, but the majority of his pay still came from the Marconi Company. In 1908, after several years on the water traveling, Jack decided to return to dry land and join the first transatlantic wireless operation, working from the Marconi home base at Clifton, Ireland. For the next three years, Jack spent his days sending messages across the Atlantic Ocean to the company's sister station in Glace Bay, Nova Scotia. Then Jack made a faithful decision to return to the sea, accepting a position on the White Star Line's fastest ship, the RMS Adriatic, and then on the RMS Oceanic. Jack had returned to working on the water on one of the world's most advanced and prestigious fleets of civilian vessels. He was young, happy, and seeing the world. In March of 1912, Jack Phillips' hard work and talents paid off for him financially, as he was promoted to senior wireless operator and was posted to the Harland and Wolf shipyard in Belfast to join the White Star Line's newest and now world-renowned ship, the RMS Titanic. Billed as the most technologically advanced ship at the time, Titanic was also the largest passenger steamship in the world. It was here that he was joined by 22-year-old Harold Bride. Bride was employed as junior wireless operator for the Voyage, similar to how Jack had spent his early years of his own career. Together, they installed the ship's Marconi wireless equipment and prepared to make the ship's maiden voyage. Their role on board was quite simple and straightforward relay messages between ship and shore, as well as communicate warnings between other vessels in the area. In terms of telegraph transmission range, the Titanic would have a reported range of 250 to 400 miles in daytime and at night when conditions for transmitting and receiving were more favorable. It occasionally would have the capability of spanning some 2,000 miles. On April 10, 1912, the RMS Titanic left the Southampton docks and set sail with much fanfare on her voyage to New York City. The 2,228 passengers and crew on board included the young Jack Phillips and his assistant, Harold Bride. Two days into the trip, Jack celebrated his 25th birthday. And two days after that, he and Bride were working feverishly to clear a backlog of messages, sending them via Cape Race, a post in New Finland. Coupled with the mounting work, Jack and his assistant had also been busy repairing a fault in the transmitter earlier that morning. As a consequence, Jack had had very little sleep over the 24-hour span when he commenced his watch from 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. During the beginning of his sentinel is when the liner achieved its highest speed of 22.5 knots, equivalent to nearly 26 miles an hour. At around 9.30 p.m., Jack acknowledged a warning from the ship Masavia, reporting a large number of icebergs directly in Titanic's path. But this warning was never relayed to the Titanic's bridge crew for one reason or another. One of the last warnings, however, came from the ship SS Californian, who was closest to Titanic at the time, trying to warn the ship that it was surrounded by ice. The Californian itself had been forced to stop its engine after it encountered multiple bergs. It would appear, however, that Jack either largely ignored or did not acknowledge these warnings at all. Titanic struck a large iceberg at 11.40 p.m. on April 14, 1912. Due in part to the vessel's speed at this time, the iceberg inflicted considerable damage to many of the watertight compartments, causing it to descent at the bow. And due to the much publicized and widely believed claim that the Titanic was unsinkable, almost all on board carried on as they had before and did not immediately prepare for rescue. Bride was just entering the wireless room to provide Jack with a break when Captain Edward Smith entered the room before him and instructed Jack to send out a distress signal and call for assistance from all vessels in the area. Bride began relaying information on which ships were coming to help to the bridge while Jack frantically sent out distress signals over and over again. Minutes later, it became more evident that the fate of Titanic was far grimmer. Captain Smith entered the room again and told Jack to change the signal to SOS. From this time on, Jack did not leave his post and continued to frantically send out distress calls, advise on the latest position of the Titanic, and urge other ships to assist in the rescue of those taken to the lifeboats. By a cruel twist of fate, the wireless operator of the Californian had reportedly just gone to bed after turning off his equipment for the night and therefore did not receive the SOS messages. Bride put on a life jacket and prepared to depart the transmitter room when Captain Smith came in a third and final time, relieved both men, thanked them for their efforts, and gave them the every-man-for-himself order. Bride made his way to the deck while Jack stayed fast at the telegraph and continued to transmit, even as the icy Atlantic began spilling into the control room. Titanic lost power at 2.17 a.m. and sunk just minutes later at 2.20 a.m., slipping into a watery grave and the lore of history beyond. Harold Bride made it safely to an upturned lifeboat, but Jack Phillips' fate has been widely debated. He was last seen alive heading towards Titanic's aft, or rear of the ship, as she began to slowly tip up and forward. Charles Lightoller, the second officer on board who survived the sinking, later reported that he saw Jack on an upturned lifeboat, the same boat that Bride had managed to swim to safely. These reports are scattered and largely unfounded. Sadly, what is known is that Jack Phillips died before being rescued and his body was never discovered. Nearly four hours after the Titanic's demise, the RMS Carpathia reached those passengers fortunate enough to have made it into the limited number of life rafts on board. Some 705 passengers and crew were rescued, survived, and went on to live their lives thanks to the heroics of a 25-year-old telegraphist who stayed his post until the very end. This has been a Missing Chapter Short, your quick fix for one of history's forgotten stories in a busy world. Listen to more shorts as well as full-length episodes on Spotify and all other major podcast providers.